Okay, turn over to Matthew chapter 4. So I got in pretty late last night, around 12 o'clock, from driving kids to the preteen camp. So uh, my lesson is going to be a little different than my normal lessons. That could be good, that could be bad, I don't know, I'm just saying. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. I want to share with you from a, a Christian writer, Max Lucado, in his book, The Eye of the Storm. He tells of something that happened to him while he was in high school. Not in the fellowship hallway, but in high school. Every year, he and his family used to go fishing during spring break. But one year, his brother and his mom couldn't go, so his dad let him invite a friend. They looked forward to this vacation with great anticipation. They pictured the sun coming down on them as they sat in a boat in the middle of the lake. The yank of the rod, the spin of the reel, wrestling with bass into the boat. The smell of fish frying in the skillet over an open fire. They could hardly wait. Finally, spring break arrived, they loaded the camper and set out for the lake. They arrived at night, set up the camper, and went to bed anxious to get up the next morning and go fishing. But that night, a storm blew through. The wind was so strong they could barely open the door of the camper the next morning. The sky was gray, the lake was choppy, there was no way they could fish in that weather. But no problem, they said, they could spend all day in the camper, so they played Monopoly, dominoes, had all kind of games. It wasn't what they came to do, but they would make the best of what they had and fish the next day. So they passed the day indoors. Hours passed slowly, but they did pass. Night finally came, and they crawled into their sleeping bags, dreaming of fishing the next day. Well, the next morning, it, was so, it wasn't the wind that made the door hard to open. It was the ice. They tried to be cheerful. No problem, they said. We can play Monopoly again. And surely we'll have another joke or two we could tell, but we'll just wait it out. So as the day went on, they began to get more and more irritable with each other. It was a long day and a long night. So the next morning they awoke to the sound of sleep hitting against the roof. And they had not prepared for this. They were flat out grumpy. They sat in misery the whole day. Their fishing equipment still unpacked. The next day was even colder and they finally headed home. But Max said that he learned an important lesson that week, not about fishing, but about people. He writes, when those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. When energy intended to be used outside is used inside, the result is explosive. Instead of casting nets, we cast stones. Instead of being fishers of the lost, we become critics of the saved. I want to let you know, and I want this to sink into our minds today, what I want to talk about. When those who are called to fish don't fish, they fight. This is important because the sad reality is that most Christians aren't concerned with fishing for men anymore. Most churches outside of our church have given up fishing for men totally. Now, if one fish jump in their boat, they're happy to accept it. But they don't go out fishing. But in our church... We still talk about fishing for men, but yet not many people do it. 
Just because we talk about it doesn't always separate us from somebody else. So we can talk about it, but the issue is, are we doing it? This is what I want to talk to us about today. I got a whole lot of points. I'm still in cat mode right now, so I got a whole lot of points. So in case you missed the first three, I got seven more for you. Point number one, when fishermen don't fish, they fight. When fishermen don't fish, they fight. Now, each of us says we're going to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, a fisher of men. So when you became a Christian, you said you were going to be a fisherman. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Oh, this is going to be one of them quiet lessons, I can tell already. Quiet on, not on my part. I'm going to still say it again. What? Yeah. Fadigalo, <laughs> huh? Close? There you go. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father in heaven. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. You know what happens there? Mom comes in and asks for them to sit at the right and the left. Now, this wasn't just her request. Obviously, they had some conversation about this already. The disciples have forgotten all about fishing for men, and then they started struggling with who would be the greatest, who would have the right seat, who would be the one honored the most. You know, I believe you can tell a lot about a church and about a person by how much fishing is going on. You see, a church is truly seeking and saving the lost. There's no time to compare notes on each other. There's no time to argue, complain, to grumble, because you're busy about your purpose. It's amazing as long as there are family believers working together in harmony and unity, we are concerned about who's the greatest. But as soon as the fishing stops, we get concerned about who's the greatest. That means the church has lost its focus. I've been involved in leadership roles for over 25 years, and it's the same thing in every church in every state. When the church takes its focus off of saving the lost, there's so many internal issues that come up. When fishermen forget to fish, they have time to look at other people's business, other people's issues, complain about them, what they're doing, what they're not doing. When we stop about being about our purpose, we become just as the world. It's like a barber shop or a beauty salon. Just sit there and gossip about everybody instead of being what we need to be. You know, we can all quote the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we can all quote those things. But it's not about quoting them that makes it happen. It's about living it out. You know, when I was in the fire department, there's a lot of days that we didn't have a call, that we didn't even go out. 
And uh, honestly, sometimes we hooked up Xbox 360 to like four different stations and was playing everybody together. Yeah, your tax dollars at work. I'm just telling you what was happening. <laughs> All these things are happening, cooking food, doing this and that. And then fights would occur. When we didn't have a call, a fire, or a medical run. I mean, I'm not talking about arguing. I'm talking about there were physical fights that would occur in the fire department when there's nothing to do. And it amazed me because literally people would be fighting, throwing stuff at each other, and then the alarm would sound, and when the alarm sounds, you got 60 seconds to get on your uniform and be on the truck. 60 seconds to make that happen, or you're in trouble, basically. Alarm sounds on the truck, going out there, and it's like no fight ever occurred. Because we know when you're in there, you may be saving another person's life, or you may need them to save your life. And then you go out there and you're putting out fires and you're, you know, you're helping a car wreck and then you come back and everybody just laughing and joking and hugging. And I remember, I'm like, wait a minute. Did y'all not remember what happened before we went out there? So I was sitting there. It took me a while to catch on to this. I'm like, how? how?" But yet, when there's nothing to do and you start getting bored, you start getting consumed with yourself and fighting with each other. It took an emergency for us to come back together and to be unified. Guys, it's sad to say, but that's how it is sometimes in God's church. If we're not doing anything, if we don't have a focus, if we don't have a big push, if we don't have somebody we're studying the Bible with, all of a sudden we start to worry about nobody's involved in my life, nobody cares about me, you ain't coming to church on time, why are you coming so late, why are you wearing what you're wearing, why don't you sit down in church, what's wrong with your kids running around? We start criticizing everybody. Why? Because we don't have anybody we're focused on. First point is this. When fishermen don't fish, they fight. So the question for you is, are you fishing or are you fighting? Well, I don't have a problem with anybody in the church. What about at home with your spouse? See, when you invite somebody over, you study the Bible, you do something in your house, what do you do? You clean up your house? You make sure the house is good? All of a sudden, the house is clean? All of a sudden, everybody cooking food? Everybody happy doing stuff? But then when you don't have any hospitality in your house, then there's other issues that come up. Either you're fishing or you're fighting. Second point is this. When fishermen don't fish, they run away. They run away. Look in Luke chapter 22. Verse 56. Luke 22, verse 56. It says, a servant girl saw him. Let's just start verse 54. Let's get the whole thing on it. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Then Peter followed at a distance. But when he had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, Are y'all with me? Okay. Looked at him closely and said, This man was with him, but he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, 
Man, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what? When fishermen don't fish, they run away. Peter had a chance to stand up for the person who had helped him for three years, keep him safe, fed him. He saw incredible miracles. And all of a sudden now, when the pressure gets on, he's like, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know him. You know what? When times get hard, sometimes people cut bait and run. Peter ran because things got a little tough. You know what? Life is tough, guys. Things are going to happen to every single one of us. We can't have a little issue in our mission team cause us to no longer want to be in that mission team. That's like saying you're never going to have any issues at your work or in your household or in your family. Are you kidding me? We all got that one crazy uncle. You don't kick him out the family because he's crazy. He's still family. There are times that you're, one of your children, those angel wings go down and those horns come up. You don't kick him out the house because he got a little demonic in him. You still love them children. Guys, we can't say, I don't want to be around these Christians anymore because they don't do this or that. They, guys, quit fighting with each other and get back about our purpose of helping people. Sometimes we got to remember the benefits of helping people. Let me refresh your mind. Why it's so important to help people. Number one, when we're, when we're helping people, one of the positive effects is that we will spend more time studying the Bible. If you're helping somebody, you're going to spend more time studying the Bible. Why? A lot of Christians are afraid to teach because they don't know all the answers. You're never going to know all the answers. There are people that ask me questions about the Bible, and I say, I don't know. Well, you're a preacher for 20-some years, you don't know? No. i tell you what, you study it out and find out, and then come tell me, then I'll know. <laughs> but a lot of times, people want me to do the work for them. Could you answer this question? No, you ask, you got the same Bible. You study and answer it, and then let me know, and then I'll be happy to look it up and make sure it's right. Guys, a lot of times we got to understand it's up to you to study. Now, when you have a friend studying the Bible, you have a, more of a desire to get in the Bible so you can help your friend. See, this is why it's so important for us to be out for focus, trying to help people. It causes you to have deeper Bible study. Listen, we were trained in the Bible Belt in Texas. I ain't got nothing else to say about that. Man, I'm telling you, people come to Bible studies with sheets of paper about, I mean, ready to argue the Bible with you. I just want to talk about the love of God. They got a list of reasons. I mean, you got to know your stuff because they come at you. Up in here, they just like, I'm in sin, I don't care, and I'm going to keep doing it. You had to battle with stuff down there. It made us study the Bible so we can be prepared. Still didn't know all the answers, but yet you got to understand it is so important to have your own personal Bible study. A second benefit is our evangelism will increase our prayer life. If you're sharing your faith, your evangelism will increase your prayer life. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Romans 10, verse 1. If you're visiting with us and, and this seems kind of foreign what I'm telling you, just listen because this is what each member who said they're a disciple of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord, should be doing. 
So if you're wondering what the church is about, I'm telling you right now what the church is about. A part of our mission is to save souls. Number one, we need to imitate Jesus. That's first and foremost. Secondly, we need to seek and save the lost. And these are some of the benefits of doing it. You're going to have better Bible study. And secondly, you're going to have a better prayer life. Look at what it says in Romans 10, verse 1. Paul says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. If we attempt to teach others, we will surely pray for them as well. When you're studying the Bible with somebody, you pray for them. You ask others to pray for them. And then people come to church and you see them, oh, I've been praying for you. I don't even know you. I know, but so-and-so told me you're studying. And so I'm praying for you. You're like, oh, that's weird, but that's starting. Great. This is what we need to do. We need to pray for each other. See, if your prayer life isn't going very well, you're probably not fishing for people. How can I increase my prayer life? Start fishing for lost souls. A third blessing of being evangelistic and saving souls is the joy that we get from winning souls. There's a joy that you get. Look in the book of Acts, chapter 8. Acts 8, verse 8. This is Philip in Samaria, and it says, So there was great joy in that city. You know, he went in there, he preached, they converted people, and the whole city had great joy. Look at verse 39. Chapter 8, verse 39. It says, When they came up out the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the Ethiopian did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. He was baptized and never saw the guy that baptized him ever again. So he wasn't depressed. He wasn't discouraged. I'll never have you in my life. He went on his way rejoicing because he was happy. This is the joy you get from helping somebody be saved. You know, when you stay the Bible with somebody, they are your lifetime friends. Like I said, even me and uh, 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 Sean Wooten, he lives in another continent. But yet we still stay connected. Me and Milan, great friends now. I've probably talked to him more than I do my own physical brother. Say the Bible, I mean, we do things together because there's a connection you get from studying the Bible with people that brings you joy in your life. You want to be happy? Help somebody be saved. Help somebody find Jesus. You know, another point when we stop fishing is this. When fishermen don't fish, they forget. When fishermen don't fish, they forget. Look in John chapter 21. Am I going too fast for you? Okay, let me know. I'll slow down. Or get louder. I get in Sam Powell mode in a minute. I don't need no microphone there. John 21, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathan from the Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. And think about this. After, this is after Jesus had already been crucified. Here's those disciples. They've seen miracles. They've seen Jesus teaching. They've been there, sermon on the mount. They've seen all this stuff. He taught them how to be fisher of men. 
As soon as Jesus left, what did they do? Stopped being fishers of men and went back to being fishermen. Went back to default mode. This is what we used to do, so let's just go back fishing once again. We can be excited in church, and then once we leave, do you go into default mode and go back to whatever you used to do anyway? When fishermen don't fish, they forget all the miracles, all the blessings, all the things God has done for them. They forget those things. See, it's important for us to remember the Lord. We do it every time we take the bread and the cup. Remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. For are we remembering? My purpose is to help save souls. It's a tremendous responsibility, but it's a tremendous privilege as well. And that's partly why we need to be evangelistic, just out of gratitude. Think about it. So many people... Your marriage, you probably wouldn't even be married still if it wasn't for Jesus. Some of us would be in jail. Some of us would be strung out. I mean, it would be a mess up in here without Jesus in our lives. And we can deny it all you want, but deep down in your heart, you know goodness well. If you weren't a disciple and every time you walked down the street and you heard the police sirens, you'd be ready to run. You'd be checking yourself. Even though you didn't do nothing, you'd be checking yourself. What did I do? What did I do? You know, Jesus is the only thing that has helped so many of us. And that's why we need to evangelize, to be like Jesus. Now, all this being said, maybe you haven't been fishing in a while. Maybe you haven't shared your faith in a while. Maybe you haven't, you know, been praying like this. Okay, let's get back into the game. Let's not mope. Let's not get discouraged. Let's not doubt our salvation. What is it going to take for me to get back to being a fisher of men? Well, let me help you with that. If you wanted to go fishing out in the lake or the ocean here, first thing you do, you plan your trip. You wouldn't just get up and just go out there. You'd have to plan it. Okay, this is what I need. This is when I'm going to go. This is where I'm going to go. You have to plan. In other words, be prepared to go fishing. Where are my fishing rods? Where's my bait? I mean, you start planning things out. That being the case, even now, if you want to start being fisher of men, you got to think. you got to plan things out. So if I'm going to be an effective fisher of men, what do I need to do? First of all, I need to read my Bible every day. If I'm not reading my Bible every day, I'm not going to be an effective fisher of men. I need to pray every day. I need to start praying now about what kind of fish I'm going to catch later in the future. Some people, you, I want a best friend. I don't have a best friend. Go convert a best friend. Go find somebody and make them a best friend. Well, I ain't got no wife yet. Go convert your wife. I ain't got no husband. Go convert your husband. Why are we sitting here waiting for somebody else to fish for us? You go fishing. All y'all singles going down to the conference in, in Arizona... You better get some bait on there and make sure you, you, you better go and get ready. You're at a Christian conference. There is nothing wrong with looking for your husband or wife at a Christian conference. I'm just telling you now. Don't come back like, oh, I'm, uh-uh, I'm too spiritual for that. Girl, you better get on out there and try to find you a man. You ask him some specific questions. What church you go to? Who's your evangelist? And if they don't have good answers, ah. 
Oh, you're visiting here. Okay, okay, that's cool. Visit on, study the Bible. But they start throwing out them right answers, and you say, hey, and let me say this. We believe in equal rights. Sister, you can ask a brother out on a date. Don't wait for them to have to ask you. I'm not going to say who, but there was a lady sitting right there that saw a man and said, I want to marry him. And she found me. I'm just saying, you ain't always got to wait. But we need to evangelize to be like Jesus. Now, here's the thing. You realize only 16 of the Lord's lessons were done publicly in the Bible. There's only 16 biblical accounts of public. The other lessons and teachings were done personally or privately. It's not that you always got to have go out and street preach in the subways or something. No, no, no. It's some private one-on-one conversations. In John 3, he talked to Nicodemus privately. In John 4, to the Samaritan woman privately. Luke 19, Zacchaeus privately. He had these private conversations. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. Guys, you got to understand, Jesus evangelized. Not just publicly, but he had one-on-one conversations. We got to plan our trip. We need to make sure, okay, I am ready, first of all, to fish. Me and my walk with God is ready to fish. Next, you got to get your equipment together. If you're going to go fishing, you got to make sure your poles are ready. You got the line. You got the bait. I hate when I go fishing and my line's all tangled up and I spend the first 30 minutes untangling my line before I can even fish. That's frustrating. So you know what? I learned, let me get my line ready the night before so I can just go out there and fish. I want to be one of the first ones to catch something. I'm going to be talking trash the whole day fishing. I want to be ready for this stuff. This is important for us to understand. When you go fishing, you get your equipment together, you check to make sure you have the right bait to fish. If you're going to go out fishing for bass this big, you don't use a bait that big. Because it's going to eat your fish you're trying to catch, first of all. Or if that little fish is going to choke on all that bait you try to put down in him. So when you stay the Bible with somebody, you got to think, am I using the right bait? When I go to share with somebody, I don't need to start out with, who is Melchizedek? <laughs> You're going to choke them people to death. They ain't going to want that bait. That's too much for them to handle. How about you talk about the love of God? How about you talk about just your life, how you changed? So often we think we need this system to study the Bible, people. You got to understand, you are the system to study the Bible, people. You just tell them simply how jacked up you were and how God helped you and how you're so much better now. That's all you need right there. That is a testimony. That is the Bible. The world is jacked up. Jesus came to save, and it's a better thing now. That's all you need. And then they're going to say, well, how did that happen? And then you open the Bible and you share it with them. But sometimes we're a little scared. And just like when we're fishing, sometimes we're scared to go out into deep water and fish. You know, it's a little bit safer along the shallow edges. In case something happened and you slip in, you can get out. But out in that deep water, dum 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 Whoa. 
Sometimes we have to challenge ourselves. You know what? I'm going to share with the most intimidating person in this room right now. Sometimes you've got to push yourself. Now, I know we don't always like that, but you've got to push yourself. The person that shared the Bible with me invited me. I, I was back in college. I had my gold chain on. I had my little uh, earrings in. I had my little rat tail back there. And I, that's how I was. Not very many people were willing to share their faith with me. They thought, look at this black dude. He looked like a, a, a black gangster Tupac. I can't be sharing with him. <laughs> Guys, it's not about how they look. Because if they could see inside, I was jacked up and needing help. Too many times we let the outer appearance deceive us and scare us from really doing what we need to do. So we've got to make sure we're, we're planning to fish. We have the right equipment. And then lastly, we need, to, we need to know the place that the fish are going to be. We need to know where to go fishing. Now, nowadays, people have those little uh, fish scanners and sonograms that kind of show them the depth of the water and how big the fish are and how many are there. You know what? You have something like that as well, but it's called the Holy Spirit. And when you're out, God is going to lead you in a certain direction and prompt you to share with this person or share with that person. The issue is, are you following your scanner? Are you following that Holy Spirit to that person? Even though he leads you there, you still got to open your mouth. And many times we say, you know, I should, but you know what? I got to get home. Oh, that bus going to be here any minute. Knowing the bus always late. I got I to gotta go home. Uh, we got all kinds of excuses why we don't do it. And then we later on feel bad, feel guilty. Man, I should have. I know I should have. Just do it once and see what happens. If God is leading you there, he's taking care of the situation itself. We've got to make sure we are prepared. And then lastly, we have to expect to catch fish. People don't wake up at 5 in the morning to go fishing just to waste their day. When they go fishing, they expect to catch something. Will they always? Nope. But they are expecting to at least catch something. You know what? When you go out, you may not find somebody that's open every time you go. But that one time that you do lasts for eternity when they're safe. This is what we got to see. It's a bigger picture, guys. I want to encourage you, if you're here visiting with us today, really, please, study the Bible. There's a reason why you're here in this room on this day. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you. If you're already a disciple, I want to encourage you, do not stop fishing. Even when you look around this room, there may be somebody you don't know. They may already be a disciple. They may not be. You don't know. Just go initiate conversation. Love upon them. You may find out they live next two blocks from you. And you didn't even know it this whole time. There is so much in here we can fish with, but then when we go out, we need to continue to fish. Guys, we have to have an outward focus. The moment we stop fishing, we start fighting. That is not what God wants in his household. I love you, and to God be the glory. Amen.